Our sermon today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Please turn there with me if you'd like to read along. I'm going to be reading that in a few minutes. John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 21. How good are you at reading the fine print in life? Are you one of those people that go through formal documents with a fine-tooth comb, or do you gloss over them? The most generous statistics say that perhaps 27% of us read the fine print on hand-signed contracts, with only 17% of us admitting that we actually understood it. In most cases, the numbers are probably lower. When we get into the realm of online terms and agreements, most studies show that only 0.1% of people, one in a thousand, actually scroll through them and read them before clicking to say that they did indeed read it. It's staggering how many of us actually agree to something without reading what it says. And... I have so done that. Last week, my phone updated to a new system, and I just said yes to their query as if I had read what had changed. Because, oh, who wants to be bothered? Who has time for that? Some of it is couched in hard-to-understand legal language, and we kind of know what it says, right? But we've read stories of people who've signed an agreement to their detriment, Or seen movies when someone was tricked by a trusted friend who got them to sign their life away because they weren't paying attention. I read a funny article about a guy who read his credit card terms from his bank and didn't like them and wrote his own. So he sent it back to the bank with new conditions, such as no interest, no fees, no credit limit, and the bank signed it. As it turns out, we're not the only ones who don't read the fine print. But what if we sign up for something, not thinking about all of the implications, and miss good things? One software firm put in its online license agreement that they would give $1,000 to the first person to contact the company and claim it if they read all the way to the end. It took more than four months. Finally, someone called them and claimed the prize. I feel as though I often also hear about people who, after a few years, switch their cell phone plan or get a new phone, and they get such a better deal. It was available to them all along, but no one told them. No one even checked. So now we have to read the fine print, and now we have to read it again? Ah, hassle. There's something in this passage that we studied today that made me think about how it is that we can gloss over words that we're supposed to be paying attention to without taking the time to understand what is happening. This came up for me because there were some aspects which popped up for me in, the, in a new way in John after reading the fine print. Good things that I feel like I missed in the terms and conditions section of my salvation agreement with Jesus. Sometimes when we, when we read scripture, as Mary has said, we read it too quickly. Or we neglect it entirely, thinking we know what it says. We got it handled. Thank you. We rely on our memory or what someone else says that it says. The difference, of course, is that the word is a living document, which does not change. But it has the power to change us. 
The difference, of course, is that God loves us and wants the best for us. He is not in this for his gain, but for ours. So paying attention can give uh, a lot of difference in how we live out our life in Christ as he updates the software in our heart and mind. In the book of John, the Last Supper goes on for a few chapters. In the upper room discourse, the Lord is talking to his disciples before the prayer in the garden after he is arrested. He has washed their feet, told them of the betrayal that will happen of someone at the table. Judas, the one clearly implied, has left. Jesus has given them a new commandment. He tells them, love one another. He tells them how everyone will know that they are his disciples when they truly put others above themselves. Then he foretells Peter's denial and speaks of the place he is going to prepare for them. He reminds them that they have seen the Father, Father God, because they have seen him. And right before this, he teaches them that the Father is glorified when Jesus answers their prayers. In our passage today, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he's encouraging them by describing to them how good their future will be. He's already told them, you are going to do greater works than you have seen me do. I have to go away so that these things will happen. He's excited about what the church will be. So as you read this, see what pops out to you about what terms Jesus is setting out. I think we're getting a great deal. It may be as we read again what we've agreed to, we will find a new depth of understanding as we're reminded of the benefits of our faith. So hear the word of the Lord from John 14, starting at verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Father, we want to honor you today. We want to listen. We want to be mindful of your presence here among us. And so, God, thank you, and we receive your lesson for us individually and corporately today. Amen. For those who love God, Jesus ensures that there is one who will come to be with them forever. In this agreement, there is one main action that we do while there are numerous ones from him. So I want to talk about what he expects of us, and then we will talk over the four ways he gives us. There are of course, more benefits that we get from knowing Christ throughout the Bible as part of his covenant with us, promises of goodness and presence, but these are the ones we're seeing here. So let's read the fine print. In verse 15, Jesus tells his disciples that if they love him, they will keep his commandments. We understand that this applies to us sitting here today as well. 
Loving Jesus by obeying him is a repeated theme in his teaching. Following his commands is tied to loving him, not in an overly uh, sentimental or emotional way, but in a commitment, promissory way. In an agreement, there are promises made on both sides. In this case, we know loving God with our whole heart and mind and soul and strength means many things. It has to do with seeking him honestly and listening to him, worshiping him. It means putting him above all our lives, everyone and everything. Loving God means to put him at the center, at the forefront, the highest pedestal. It means we cling to his goodness and we receive his forgiveness for our sin. We act with integrity in the world and we stand up for what is right. We speak out about the wrongs that we see. We repent in his presence. In this context, the command that Jesus gives them is for them to love one another. This aligns with what he requires of his people, the two most important instructions he gave us to love God and each other. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two truths. He's asking that they love one another. He's just given them a powerful example of what it means to love each other when you wash one another's feet in humility and grace. In order to help those who want to keep his teachings, he sent the Spirit to those who believe. This happens automatically when you sign up and live close in community with the Lord. In fact, the Spirit helps those who have yet to believe. He helps us find faith. Jesus tells us when we love him by keeping his commandments, he will give us an advocate. Now, the root word of advocate is paraclete. It means one who comes alongside another. The core of its definition is one who is called in as an expert to give advice or direction, like a witness in a courtroom or a doctor in consultation. Perhaps they are called upon when there is trouble or there is need for someone to be defended. What comes to your mind when you think about the Holy Spirit? Different translators have tried different words to fit here. Comforter, helper, representative, counselor. John Wycliffe was the first to translate this word as comforter. In his life as a theologian and translator during the mid-1300s, the comforter was one who enabled a soul who was struggling to be brave. Isn't that good? We think of comforter as, oh, I love you. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, no. The Holy Spirit as comforter in Old English helps us bravely to face life. He helps us be more than conquerors in the difficulties we encounter, in promise, empowering us to keep the promises we make as part of our relationship with God. How often we need that strength. Some of you may have come in today needing to be brave about something going on in your life. Maybe needing to be brave for someone else who is facing difficulty. Maybe bravely facing the world that we live in and the things that are going on? How in your life do you need the comforter 
How in your life do you need to ask God to come alongside you and help you to be brave in the things that you are facing? One thing I missed in this fine print was how Jesus says that the Father will give another advocate to be with us forever. That brought me up short. He, of course, is the first advocate, the first one to come alongside us. The advocate, this spirit he's talking about, is another. He continues the work that Jesus began. In 1 John, we read these words. I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You see, Jesus helps us to overcome our sin, and the Spirit then comes to help take this work to the next level. The Holy Spirit continually bridges our life with God's life. Besides being an advocate for humanity, the Spirit brings truth to our lives. Truth. Last week in this service, Isaac Garrett stood up to give praise to the Lord for his mom on Mother's Day. And he said something like this. Forgive me, Isaac, if I don't say it quite the right way. He said, I was blessed to have a mother like I did. She taught us that the truth is the truth no matter what. You can twist it. You can deny it. You can change it. You can embellish it. But the truth remains the truth. The truth stands firm no matter what we do or say about it. Can I get an amen, people? Wow. I feel like I wish I would have known her, Isaac. She sounds like a woman full of God's spirit. Having the spirit of truth is an incredible benefit of our deal with Jesus. The truth is hard to find oftentimes in this world. Difficult to ascertain. Many do not honor the truth, nor do they really seek it out. Sometimes they don't want to hear the truth. But the Holy Spirit will lead those who sincerely want to walk in authenticity before God. Jesus is the truth sent from God. And in similar fashion, the Spirit leads us to confession, to saying the truth about our souls, to guidance and discernment, to growth and wisdom and compassion and grace. All truth comes from God, and living in truth of the Spirit will set us free. The next fact Jesus reveals about the Spirit is that he will abide with us and in us. One of the most powerful statements here is verse 18, which is also the center of this section. I will not leave you orphaned. This whole chapter is about Jesus assuring his followers that they will never be on their own, ever. The idea of orphans evokes a deep feeling in us. In every generation, in every place, there are children whose parents no longer care for them, either because they have died or because they simply have moved on from the responsibility of their family. Maybe because they wanted to leave or because they felt like they had to because of circumstances. It's wrenching for us to know abandoned children, to see pictures of them, to be abandoned children, to hear stories of their hardship. So many literally have nothing 
and are forced to live with those who do not want them. They have no identity or home of their own. Some of them don't even know their names or their birthdays. So often they are abused and used for what they can do because they lack protection and a strong foundation of family. We help alleviate the pain in the ways that we can. In our denomination, we have International Child Care Ministries and Touch of Love and a Deaconess Adoption Agency. But the need is great, and the need is getting bigger with the refugee crisis. See, I think Jesus uses this word orphan on purpose. I think he uses the word orphan to tell his followers that they always have a home with him. That he's going away, but he's not abandoning them. He's not leaving them. That always, he's not going to walk away ever. He is coming to them. He's asking the Father to send one who will always be accessible. One who will constantly abide and be in them. Closer than any biological family could ever be. He tells them, you already know the one being sent. Because they know Jesus, they will recognize the work of the Spirit among them. The Godhead, three in one. When we see Jesus, we see the Father. When we see the Spirit, we see Jesus. The Spirit brings Jesus to all who believe in him. We have true closeness with God because of the work of the Spirit. Verse 19 has a good thought, which has been our theme all Easter since the beginning of the sunrise service. You will see me... Because I live, you also will live. Every week I go into Doug's office and get an old commentary. I told him he should start charging me interest on it. I found a great quote in it, though. Today, millions, not in heaven only, but on earth, live in daily communion with Jesus. They speak to him. They listen to him. They consult him. They are guided by him. They draw their inspiration from him. It is because he lives that they live. You see, the events of Easter allow us to live in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit keeps it possible for us to stay daily in the reality of the resurrection. It was God's intention to bring salvation through the cross of Jesus. And it is his intention to come alongside of us every second of every day through the power of the advocate, the Holy Spirit. So much transformation and hope is ours when we daily walk with him. These are manifestations of what the advocate helps us to do. To those who keep the commandments of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in them forever. Throughout this, Jesus has juxtaposed the world with those who believe. And this is our last benefit. We have the ability to see truths and to know God's heart. That Jesus says the world does not understand. Those who do not trust Jesus do not share his spirit in the depth of their soul. You see, one has to believe and one has to repent and trust in God. And those who love Jesus will keep his commandments and they will know for certain that he is in the Father and they are in him. The Spirit connects us with the Father and the Son in a union that is very real but not seen by human eyes. Just like we see the wind, but not the spirit, we can see the effects of the spirit on a person's life without a physical representation of who he is. When we see joy and kindness and faith, we see the spirit. 
When we see people going out in the name of Jesus to serve, we see the Spirit. When we see people weeping over the effects of sin or overcome by the presence of the Almighty or rejoicing with huge faith, that is the Spirit. When we are led to give or to reach out for no reason or when we use our gifts for God, that is the Spirit. When we love With a sacred passion, those whom the world ignores, we see the Spirit of God at work among us. When we experience humility and a willingness to be teachable to God, that is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is how Jesus reveals himself to us and through us. The Holy Spirit is not always a part of the Godhead, which we take time to know. In our salvation covenant with Jesus, we weigh the cost, often, of following him. But not always do we stop to consider the benefits which come from the one sent to help us after Jesus physically left earth. So taking time to think about this and study this week has led me to the conclusion that this is a great agreement Jesus has made with us. There is so much to our benefit here. And my prayer is that each one of us would utilize the Spirit in his fullness. As we keep Jesus' commands, I want us to be people who see and live by the power of the Holy Spirit, the one who comes alongside of us and helps us to be brave in our greatest needs, the one who guides us into all truth, the one who will abide with us forever, and the one who gives us deep community with the Father and the Son now and forevermore. Amen.